1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly.
3: Hello
4: and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Yes, we are back. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbay, iHeartRadio, and Speaker. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and I'm going to bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going?
5: Oh, it's going great, Miranda. How's it going for you?
4: I'm fantastic. Very happy to be here. Very happy to be joining you. And the third member of this trio's team is who? 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 It is the one and only Brendan Barr.
6: That's who? Okay. It's me. <laughs> how are we all doing? How are we all doing? This is... I was, uh, I was just talking to Dusty, commenting on how I'm, I'm morbidly curious about this, uh, de- Deathmatch that AEW's this doing this weekend. So I've got this weird energy going on, right? Now. Right?
4: No, I feel that's totally appropriate. I was talking to you know uh, on another show about it and it's like barbed wire, you know, uh what is it? How are they gonna barbed wire explosive deathmatch? Something yes. to that.
6: Explo- <laughs>
4: Exploding barbed wire death match.
6: Yes. Uh that's so I I cool as a as a tape trader from back in the day i had uh a, a bunch of bonita matches that had that so that's part of this weird energy cuz i used to watch them but now I, i'm i'm afraid
4: yeah i mean who knows what that's going to look like um and that's going to be happening uh this weekend at AEW Revolution speaking of AEW uh they've been getting some Uh, interesting coverage in the press uh, due to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter end-of-year awards. And I'm going to have Brendan kind of lead this part of the conversation. because It's fascinating. We'll all be talking about it. But, I mean, if you don't, most wrestling fans are in the know about the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and their end-of-year awards. These are voted by the subscribers to the uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter and yeah, very interesting picks.
6: Yeah. Um it's we uh we know that if you're if it's a paid subscription, you're gonna have people that like a certain thing. Like I mean that's that's where it is. I didn't vote on the Wrestling Observer newsletter because I don't I haven't paid for it for for many years at this point. Uh, back when they shifted more towards the MMA, I was like, yeah, I don't need to spend that money anymore. I got other things I can do. Give me that candy bar. Uh, <laughs> but so, so, and a lot of the time, because people are leading the charge, you're gonna get, you're gonna get that, that same kind of energy. And Uncle Dave, as we like to call, I like to call him, I don't know if you guys like to call him that, uh, is very pro Kenny mega and aew so aew got a lot of awards out of this they got like something like show of the year uh they got the uh phoenix got per mexican performer of the year even though he only performed five matches in mexico and then everything else was in aew because you know 2020 so uh i mean does i don't know obviously for them that counts Oh, it's, I don't know that, that that's how I would have voted. I mean, Laredo Kid had more matches in there, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people we talk about a lot on the show, but
4: um, yeah,
6: I think but, a lot of people. I mean, in and,
5: gen- oh, go ahead.
6: Sorry. I know, do, do it, dude.
5: I think a lot anything. of people oh, yeah. in general I mean, just don't have the exposure to a lot of phoenix's other work or his you know or laredo kid for example um people that you have to seek out the number of fans that only relate to what they see on television each week Mm -hmm. is much larger than we think and so it's it's a different thing and and it's not necessarily like a, a phobia it's just like a Ill ease of access to the Lucha content, and I think that having to seek it out limits it so much in these awards and rankings.
6: Well, especially in a primarily uh, Mm English-speaking community. Like the, the wrestling observer network yeah.
4: yeah I mean he was also voted best flying wrestler As well so I think I mean that is true in it of itself But I, I think it does lead to your point uh, Both of your points where mm-hmm. I think that there's just a limitation on Visibility and who they know So I mm-hmm. feel like and a good way for Ray Phoenix he's getting more popular And it's anonymous here in the United States With Lucha Libre but when you Look at something that, that's you know, supposed to be, I guess, a little bit more objective. Um, you know, it does mean like that that people are just going to automatically think of Rey Phoenix because that's the the luchador that they that they know of. Yes,
6: but but to a point we've talked about before, uh, luchador previous to this year for the last. Few Fifteen twenty years. If you said Luchador, it would have been Rey Mysterio. Yes, mm-hmm. Even if, uh-huh. so I mean, it it's a cool sign. It's showing that that uh, the sport is evolving, and and Phoenix and and Pentagon are much more the faces of what the Americans that only watch network television are thinking of when they think about Lucha absolutely. Libre. So, I mean, that's my silver lining there.
5: Well, and also Kenny Omega couldn't have had the year he had without Phoenix. You know that match was. Yeah.
6: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, so. you bring up a great point there. Yeah. I, didn't,
5: I didn't. I didn't think about looking at that. that. Yeah.
6: yeah. I didn't think about looking at that. Did that match did not get their match of the year though, right? They, they no. Voted Correct. On, I, yeah. I I I just saw the haze of Kenny Omega winning at that point and didn't really read too closely, but I should have looked to see if that was one of them.
5: Uh, Match of the year was from revolution last year, Kenny Omega and Adam page versus the young bucks, which I mean, it was a good match, but I I don't know that it was better than Kenny Omega Laredo kid. I,
6: I don't, I, I mean, we on this show are looking at things differently than the, yeah. the, the they are <laughs> like that that match had a lot of had a lot of storyline that paid off things that that fans of Kenny Omega and fans of being the elite wanted to see, so like I can see that ha- having more emotional impact with people but uh I mean That's it true. just wasn't the pure magic that we got with Laredo Kid and Kenny Omega where. I mean, you have two technical wrestlers, and the basic storyline is: I want to prove to you that I'm the guy uh, for on both sides. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, just different different things you want out of matches. I can't fault a fan for liking that other match more because right. there was there's a lot of things that were for them in that match.
4: Yeah. Uh, kind of, overall, there just seem to be some interesting picks. I, the one that, one <laughs> of the ones that stood out to me was Feud of the Year, which is listed as John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. Um,
1: oh, yeah. which
4: is a, it's a good, it's good, but when I think about Feud of the Year, I don't think of it as Feud of the Year. You know, no. like, it, it is something that happened for kind of a blip of time. I mean, great promos by Eddie Kingston. He was also, uh, uh, awarded um what was it interview best, of, yeah, best, best, best on interviews mm-hmm. um and i do think that he was able to shine in that promo and interview work in AEW this yeah. you know back in 2020 like that that did happen but i feel like feud out of all the it's just a weird
6: choice well but you have to look at at uh, the fact that 2020 was kind of a weird year we had Pre-pandemic, we had the start of some really great feuds that then had to fizzle and and just went nowhere. And then, as a result, you had, like, WWE just hotspotting the Mysterios and Seth Rollins over and over again because they didn't know how long lockdown was going to last. Right. So, you know, uh, and and then... (laughs) Anything pre-lockdown is was so far away. People probably forgot about that. Actually, fun and interesting stuff that was going on beforehand. So um, again, that's just a weird one for me because uh, I I agree it's a great feud, uh, uh, but I can't instantly think of something that I I thought was better in 2020 because I instead am on all the the zany things they did with the uh, lockdown mm-hmm. and stuff.
4: Yeah. Well, in this list of um, uh you know, some people have also called it that it's not only biased towards uh AEW as far as leaning heavily their way, but it's also very anti-WWE. Uh, yeah.
6: They had uh worst promotion of the year, worst gimmick of the year. I I their worst gimmick of the year I c- can't argue with, although it's not really a gimmick, it's just it's a shitty thing to do, which was firing talent and people. Yes. Uh, to to save money during their biggest profit making year on record, like that's just yeah. that's like cartoon evil. There, like I mean, Villain-y. I, I could see, yes. yeah, I can see like Vince McMahon sitting in Skeletor's chair at this point, just saying, <laughs> like, "Fire them! Fire half of them!"
5: I could see it. Yeah, and he's got the Rams head staff. Yeah, it yep. makes sense. <laughs>
6: Triple H got that for him. (laughs) (laughs) The other other weird one I picked up on that I'm a little surprised that you didn't mention Miranda because I I know how much you love this guy, but rookie of the year went to Pat McAfee.
4: (laughs) I mean define love this guy because like (laughs) i i i respect his work Uh however yeah like the fact that rookie of the year goes to someone who is is not i mean impressive show out turnout in war games very impressive yeah Uh, only one match last year as well match. match and i
6: mean like i just remember you just being bristling at at him existing and a lot of people just hated him he what uh, I I viewed as go home heat, like people just didn't want to see him, and and somehow that came out as rookie of the year. I need to, and, and I wanted to swing this back around for Lucha and Lucha related products. There, Raquel Gonzalez made her debut as this character and this mm-hmm. entity mm-hmm. in February of 2020. Dominic Mysterio had the most impressive debut any wrestler in WWE yeah. can get. Rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I mean And some of that may just be related to What you were mentioning earlier There's a little more anti-WWE sentiment In, in readers of the network But uh, that's uh, That's their choices They and, and I can't argue That WWE doesn't deserve Some harsh criticism So maybe if they overlook them once in a while That's uh, That's what you get for you know Just not being that, that good the rest of the year
4: Well, Brendan, while you're at it, why don't you uh, guide us through the road back to shows? I know you have some pretty interesting news and and pretty hot hot topics uh, to go through (laughs) for this week's Road Back to Shows.
6: Road Back to Shows is packed with crazy stuff this week. So we're going to start right where I always start. Mexico City is orange. Uh, They are for sure orange by the time you're hearing this and will uh, probably stay orange whether they deserve to or not. But that's a whole other thing. Movie theaters and museums can be open at twenty percent capacity, but they're gonna close like seven or eight. So they're closing up early sending people home. I don't fully understand the logic behind that. If you're gonna let people be out in public, why do they have to like keep the hours of a ten year old? But um you know I'm not that I'm not a city planner, so I don't know. Um <laughs> But yeah, Mexico City is orange, uh, they, there are plans, but nothing has happened yet for maybe having AAA or CMLL do shows now without fans for a little while until things get a little more settled down. But, uh, we'll see how that plays out because, uh, the, AAA has certainly demonstrated they want to have a little more safety awareness for their wrestlers and, uh, CMLL is, uh, seems to have a, a system going with with uh with with uh closed door shows. So yeah. I think they wanna I think with, what they're gonna wanna do is is uh do closed door shows until they can be at closer to eighty to one hundred percent and because uh, that's where they make their money is when they can have big big gates. So we'll see. Uh speaking of making their money in big gate uh the the crash is still not going to be making money. Uh, they have uh, that facility that I talked about last week. It's closed for 30 days. They, uh, the, the government has put signs on the door and everything's basically is closed down for any sort of activity. So my understanding is that there was also a practice facility for the crash. So hopefully they have somewhere else with a ring that they can do practice because – Thirty days is a long time with uh without bumping. You'll you'll get real sore the first time you find hit a ring if, after thirty days off. Um, we they did have an extra long press conference that I uh, sadly had to make Miranda listen to because my Spanish <laughs> still not very good. So did uh, they say anything of note or interest,
4: Miranda, well, so- in that
6: long ramble?
4: Yeah, it was long, and let's be honest, I I didn't go through uh all of it, uh, but I did get the gist as far as really the the beginning of of the press conferences explaining why their previous event got closed down and trying to clear up from their perspective why. And they did have some documentation though um, they they had it with them, but they didn't necessarily show it um, for for viewing um, as to why they got closed down and clearing some of that up. So um the the team there did state that they did get permission to run at 30% capacity for the event um and that there was some issues with the fact that that 30% was slightly exceeded um because they did have more slightly more than 30% and this is just oh. their words um, yeah. They did also start mentioning that there was things what, what they consider outside of their control, quote unquote, as to some of the COVID related, uh, uh, issues or social distancing measures that weren't necessarily followed. They stated that fans started to move chairs, that the chairs were set up in a social distance manner, but fans started to move them themselves. And then also you started to have fans, you know, m- remove their masks for, you know, drinking and eating. Um, and so the And I don't remember if it was exactly the commission, but some kind of authority figure there did want them to kick out the fans and kind of finish the show without fans. And uh, Crash said, no, we want to keep the fans here. We think that we can continue this show with fans. So they were given permission. Uh, to To finish, but ultimately, what ended up being the issue was that there was some kind of licensing issue that ended up being the final nail in the coffin to why they were shut down, so apparently, they were trying to clear up that no it wasn't that we had violated any. COVID related measures, um, even though, yes, they were slightly above 30% capacity and yes, fans were not observing those measures. It was technically some kind of license issue that, uh, led for them to, um, have to close that, uh, that show had to stop the show and it kind of aligns with what you mentioned with you know the facility itself being closed uh for for 30 days so that yeah. is the gist of what i got from it so uh, it was a little bit of yes we did these things but it's not entirely our fault
6: well i mean they're never going to hear me say this but i saw the footage and there there's no way they were just a little bit above 30% in capacity <laughs> yeah. they were shoved in that facility yeah. and and people I mean I I the uh, the mask not being on I understood because yeah you you can't do a lucha show without food and beer so I the fans are going to do what the fans are going to do but uh yeah there was there was a lot more there was a lot of people in that facility mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that for me uh I I appreciate that was was actually very helpful so the the official date looks like uh, March 21st will be the day that they're allowed to do shows, so it'll probably be three or four days after that, because if I remember right, that's uh, like the middle of the week, and they, they like to do weekend shows. Uh, I will probably report on it. I may or may not do it covered in the Indie Roundup, because as we've established, we're not covering an Indie Roundup if you can't be safe, so... Brendan is on my the list law. right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Marshal Brendan. Uh, but yeah. sp- speaking, speaking of, uh, people that are, have the rights to do this, uh, Lucha Brei training resumed in, uh, Chittimal after Quintana Roo reached yellow light status. So they're, they're all the way past orange. They're into yellow. Uh, that means they're going to start training now. I'm willing to bet that their plan is that they're going to do training and hopefully they stay at yellow for the three weeks that it takes to go to green and then do shows when they go to green. That would be the sensible plan. Um, I will keep my ears open for that because we've proven many times that wrestling shows don't always take the sensible route. Sometimes they take the fun route. So, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic on that because I haven't heard anything about any secret shows in that area. Uh, and, and they're already at yellow, so the work is mostly done. Uh, and speaking of re- returning this week on YouTube and other social media, the NWA started ca- creeping back in and they had a big announcement today while we're recording, or before we recorded, that they're going to be back, uh, with power, uh, the week, or the Thursday after their pay-per-view, so, uh, back for the attack is scheduled for March 21st and then the shows will be on the uh 23rd on Fight Network 605 Eastern which is you know kind of an NWA tradition at this point and uh and so we were big fans of the NWA before in the early parts of 2020 they were on great momentum they have lost a few Wrestlers, But I believe Thunder Rosa is still officially on their roster. I saw her face in the promo piece. And uh, there's definitely a few other wrestlers that will be exciting to see. So keep an ear open for that. Also, uh, the Thunder Studios that they were using for Primetime Live and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood has seems to have already started being used for at least Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, mm-hmm. which means... Probably more things, and with the uh, NWA returning, we might might see more primetime live in the near future.
3: Yeah.
6: Um, and the, the, so this is not not COVID related, but it it's it's always interesting. Vampiro did some more interviews. He's uh he's he's doing more press press stuff. He said in an interview that he was released from AAA by text over WhatsApp. So here's the quote. One day they told me Conan is already working in the company and he will be in charge of your position. And then they fired me on WhatsApp. They told me that's it. Thank you very much. And we are not going to take care of you any- anymore. Uh, it's kind of an interesting situation. I, I, it's actually enough wrestling business stuff that it might be pretty true yeah. i mean you know famously wrestlers have been fired over over voicemail so why not over whatsapp which is way more popular than voice ever was
5: yeah but um and very popular internationally yes. too yeah. yeah
4: internationally very <laughs> yeah because you can use it pretty much anywhere in the world
6: He also uh, made some mention of uh, his Parkinson's diagnosis. And I I bring that up more because I expect that uh, the Mass Mass and Mayhem interview that we're going to hear at Expo Lucha may bring up one or both of these things. So so I was bringing this up because, hey, Expo Lucha is coming and there's going to be a Vampiro interview. And this is interesting stuff. I'd love to hear more on this being fired over WhatsApp story, if that's something that they throw in there. So
0: if you
6: guys are listening and uh, you have have time to sneak in an extra question or two, uh, you got some good stuff to work with right now. Uh, And then uh, another non-COVID thing, but kind of awesome, Republic of Lucha is uh, scheduled to open March 5th. This is the Lucha Bros... Own shop. It's going to be on 1020 Mission Suite in Pasadena, California. Uh, they they're they're focusing on a big to do uh, in the store, and they're going to have autograph signings from the Lucha Bros. And I think they they they've alluded to other wrestlers being there, but don't want to give names because uh, it's it's the business, and you never know who's going to be able to make it and and who's going to have to cancel last minute. Uh, it's very exciting stuff. They will be opening an online version of the store in the future, but at this time, at the moment of this grand opening on the 5th, they're focusing on in-store, although, uh, the auto, you will have the chance to, uh, to buy items ahead of time for virtual autographs as well, which will be part of the, uh, in the in-store opening. Uh, and then, unfortunately i'm going to end us end this segment on a not my favorite note uh we, at lucha libre volcanica they posted over the weekend that, that uh the wrestler who went by the name joker he came up several times a year to to work with us from mexico had passed away i don't have a lot of details on the, the conditions surrounding that uh he was not he was not an old man, so he was. Uh, it, this was sudden and unexpected for most of us. Uh, he he's uh, he was kind of an older brother who would would bring back stories about what life in Mexico was like and what being a you know how how being a luchador was different in Seattle where we're where we're at here than where he came from and most people looked up to him like an older brother. Uh, so it was very sad to hear about the passing of Joker. I just wanted to take, take a moment to, to say that, uh, you know, we, we we're gonna miss you at the shows up here and uh, thank you for all the, the happy memories you gave us in the time you were able to be up here. Yeah. And, uh, that's the, the road back to shows uh you might suspect i don't have a lot for the indie roundup because i'm being way more fussy about things that are going on i couldn't find uh the continuation of my lucha time that i've been covering uh so uh, i i'm going to leave that alone and if i find the that i missed an episode i'll just roll it all into the other one uh coastal championship wrestling put up their uh their new episode and it does have an appearance from cage on it so like if you are sadly needing a lucha fix right now there's it there's i'm not going to tell you where because it's he's not on the the listed card so you have to wait for him to show up but he shows up and does impressive cage things so well go over to coastal championship wrestling's youtube channel watch their uh their their bash at the bar i believe it's called it's the one that went up this week and uh and wait for cage to make a special appearance you will not be sorry and uh that's my indie roundup too so there we go
4: thank you brennan as always for the road back to shows and the indie roundup up next we're going to kick it to denise alcedo with this week's lucha central central
2: Tuesday nights live, it's Wrestle Boss, where Favi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show, La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez, as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcasts, one in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name the lucha brothers as well as japanese legend ultimo dragon go to lucha-masks.com and fight lucha strong with masks from your favorite lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador get yours now at lucha-masks.com powered by pro
4: wrestling revolution and as always a huge thank you to denise alcedo who lets us know what's happening Uh, Throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network with Lucha Central Central. Uh, Up next, Dusty, he's going to kick it off and and let us know what happened this week on WWE SmackDown and Raw.
5: Yeah, well, you know, with WWE, as long as you don't expect much, they will not let you down. (laughs) I mean, like...
4: I love at how at you this. Is. It's like it's just, it just. Oh, oh just,
5: man, they 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 let us down pretty much in every way this week. Oh. I, on SmackDown, we had Ray and Dominic Mysterio versus Chad Gable and Otis. This match, it, it was not good. I was not a fan of this match. Although it might have been the most respectful squash match I've ever seen. They let the Mysterios get their stuff in first, okay. but this, this was not good. <laughs> like, it just, it, it was not good. I, I don't understand the point. It was, the, yeah, it just felt The good. other
6: positive, the other positive I got out of this, unlike the the previous match, they clearly, Gable and Otis were clearly heels this whole time. Yes. There was no Yeah, I mean, they're
4: more definitive. Uh, and it's, but it's yeah. also easier to do that with the Mysterios. They're super, yeah. super babyface. Like, I think anyone, even you know, like, it, it, and maybe that was the right thing to do, too, you know, kind of reemphasize Gable and, and Otis turning or being heels by going up against some of the biggest babyfaces in the entire company.
5: Um, people just love to cheer Ray Mysterio and the mask and everything yeah. next with yeah. the kid. And yeah. like on that, you know, some kind of unspoken level with children. So yeah, it's really a good way to get big heat with viewers is to have people beat up on Ray and Dominic Mysterio. And so you know maybe and now it's father
6: son tag team too. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I'm hoping it's building to something. You know, like <laughs> you, you can't always get what you want, especially with wrestling. And so a lot of times you just kind of have to hope for the best. But with WWE, like I say, the they always seem to let us down. Uh, so we'll see. And then we had Monday Night Raw, and after last week's fantastic match between Angel and Damian Priest with Bad Bunny, this week we got Elias with Dam- against Damian Priest with Bad Bunny. Oh, and, God. Uh, And it makes sense on paper, like musician versus musician, Mm -hmm. but wow, how do you follow up that match with Angel Garza with this? Like, this is terrible. It was slow. It never had a good rhythm between the competitors. It just dragged. It, too, felt largely pointless. And I I just wasn't sure what was going on here. Like what a I mean, and it went forever, like fifteen minutes. Like they never give a match fifteen minutes, and they gave Elias versus Damian Priest fifteen minutes. Like
6: yeah, I, I um, have a theory on this. Uh, it's a very selfish theory. When Elias came here to Seattle, we booed him for seven and a half minutes. Yeah, so I think very ever big. since. The-
4: very big booing session.
6: I think ever since then he's just like, I need extra time now because they're just gonna, Seattle took all my time. So I think that's what it is. He's just being <laughs> bratty about us.
5: Uh, it could be. I've just, yeah, I don't know. It, and it wasn't, just that it was bad because it was it was a bad match but <laughs> last week's so match bad. with angel garza was really good it
4: was so, so good <laughs> and i feel like that's that's the direction they need to go in for wrestlemania mm-hmm. because you know the the big move that happened was that Miz lost the wwe championship to um, bobby lashley so that right. frees him back up to be to face against Bad Bunny and say, you know, maybe yeah. if there's a trio element to it, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's hard to say at this time, too, because I think uh, apparently John Morrison may be out on injury.
6: Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. So, we don't know how long the injury is going to last. Yeah. He is, so, he
4: you could have had, you know, John Morrison, The Miz, Angel Garza versus, you know, Damien Priest, Bad Bunny and, you know, anybody, you know, say like a Booker T or whatever. So, I mean, like that, that you always knew that that's the direction they were going to go in and it still looks like it. But Angel Garza is a, a much better fit and even just continuing mm-hmm. that storyline makes more sense as they head to WrestleMania than doing wow. this random ass stuff with Elias.
5: It it also kind of like reminds me a little bit of Bret Hart. They said you could put Bret Hart with anybody and he would have a great match and I feel like that might be Angel Garza's position now in the company. He's the guy <laughs> you send out to have a good match, no matter who it is. Uh, and I mean places like, to be. Yeah, I mean he's he's really good and the silver lining in this is that after this Elias match, like they're gonna have to decide they want Garza. Like how can they uh-huh. The no, Skeletor's to now. sit on
6: his throne and be like, no, no, put him yeah. <laughs> in, a, put it in a, a three-way with this man and then add Baron Corbin to it. Oh.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got something almost that weird with Retribution, (laughs) they're up next. We had Lucha House Party with Riddle versus Retribution and Ali. It started with Lucha House Party teaming with Riddle against Mace, T-Bar, and Slapjack from Retribution. And after some fighting between Riddle and, I believe, T-Bar, Lince was tagged in and put the hurt down on Slapjack. Then tagged in Grand League for some amazing work with Metalik riding on Lince's shoulders and making a dive for a pin. It was incredible. Afterwards, Ali lost his damn mind and demanded a match with Riddle that he went on to win. And it left many of us thinking about what could have been instead of what we got. Like, it too was not a good match. I don't know what's going on WWE this week, but we did not get anything good for Lucha fans. Like, it was just... And I, I've been sick of retribution since they were putting the lights out on Andrade and Angel back in the oh. summer. You know, I mean, like it was, it felt like it jumped shark then, yeah. and that was before we knew their terrible names. <laughs> <laughs> and like
6: when you started the show, were you thinking, and at any point were you thinking, man, I can't wait to say things like, and then he ta- made the hot
5: tag to T-Bar. <laughs> <laughs> Slapjack makes the hot butt
4: ba- pack- <laughs> pack- t- bar. Oh man. What are what are we doing? What is, like, this, like? just, what is this? What is
5: this? And, and this is a company that has both Mysterios, Callisto, Lince Dorado, Grand Matellix slash Mascara Dorada. I mean, like, they have Ricochet. Like, they have mm-hmm. all this talent, and this is what exactly. they're doing. With it. it's exactly. They're intentionally yeah. misusing them, and it's just aggravating. Oh, yep. man. Especially in the lead up to WrestleMania season when there's so much promise coming up that we just can't seem to get delivered on.
6: Yeah, I'm just, oh, all of it just so frustrating.
4: Yes. Again, they have every resource and tool in the world, they have money. Yes. Have you know not only the equipment they have the most talented roster in the roster in the entire world, and yet and,
6: and access to even more talent yes. if they want it. Yes. Yes. So yeah.
4: that that's where the frustration comes. You know, I feel like like <laughs> yeah. that's really what it comes down to is that they can do better. Like it, it's Absolutely. not that it's just WWE or oh they're this big juggernaut. Like it's because they have every resource to do better. You know, all these other companies. You know, are doing the best with the resources they have. And maybe AEW is like still on that line where, you know, they cannot, they, they're almost in the same boat sometimes because they have a lot of these resources, though not to the capacity of, of WWE. But exactly what you said, Dusty, they have, you know, the best of the best luchadores uh-huh. on their
5: roster. They really do. Mm-hmm.
4: And constantly we get this kind of just dumb stuff. That, like, insults our intelligence and, no you know, and it's, and it's under the cloak of entertainment, quote-unquote, but it, it does feel like, yeah, it's insulting the intelligence of, of fans and of people Absolutely. who really have an appreciation for wrestling.
5: Absolutely. And, and why sign this talent to use them this way? Mm-hmm. And, like... It, we've kind of seen that with somebody like Rusev in AEW. He was, you know, misused in WWE and he has yet to get his rhythm or momentum back that he had a few years ago. And I don't know what that means for somebody like Mascara Dorada after so many years away from Mexico if he,
6: yeah. he's
5: being Grand Metalik and goes back to Mexico was his reputation from before enough because we don't see that enough in WWE to continue his reputation
0: yeah
5: and so I mean, it, it's a yeah, it's, very strange thing WWE's doing right now
6: it's yeah and and it's just so hurtful that they actively and aggressively go after all of this uh latin talent because they have an idea and then they just let that fruit rot after they get it like i mean uh, Andrade is still not back on TV, uh, and and I mean if That's anybody has
5: disappointment,
6: yeah, if anybody has a shot because he's got uh, he's got Ric Flair on his side. Come yeah. on, yeah, like,
4: yeah, well, and and there was a story recently Anna, about Charlotte being asked about you know if she would ever be open to her you know behind the scenes relationship with Andrade on air, and she said she's open to it. She's even pitched it. So, I mean, think about having, you know, one of the biggest power couples in all of pro wrestling together on screen. And in that power couple, the power part of it is Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Like that in and of itself is fantastic. And it would be such a good, you know, way to to reintroduce Andrade. And yet we still, and, and, you know, Charlotte and and the dynamic she has with her dad is always going to be fairly compelling because there's a lot, I think, of, authenticity to it and natural Mm -hmm. like family dynamic of you know daughter and and uh father however going back to the whole insulting our intelligence is now they're utilizing him with you know uh, lacey evans and we went through a few weeks of a crazy storyline with them um which only
6: ended because of outside elements
4: Yeah. yes so I yes I I you know I just for, for the record I would fully support a Charlotte Andrade on screen. I would and, oh too.
6: man me too. I it, would I would actually start watching the show live again.
4: Yes.
5: But, and we touched on it last week, but you know like the idea of like a female led team or. Um, mm-hmm. You know, group whatever they come up with is so interesting and not yet done. Like it's kind of unusual. You know, like we talked about that last week with Sasha. You know, if she could, you know, be team boss or whatever. You know, like <laughs> I I would like to see some female led factions. That's you know they make a big show out of their women's empowerment now in WWE and they have the best women's rosters. So why don't they make some investment? Wow. Uh, same same thing all around. Yeah, they just <laughs> yeah. WWE problems.
6: Yes, well, yeah, WWE's gonna WWE. Yes,
4: yeah. yes. So we're just gonna let that sit. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> let that WWE WWE stuff sit, and we're gonna jump over to AEW for this week's Dark and Dynamite, and a little bit of a preview uh, of Revolution happening this yeah. weekend.
5: So first up on Dark, we had our first match of the night, Lucha Relevant match. Red Velvet and Kylan King got the surprise upset and won against Ivelisse Diamante in their first tag loss on Dark this year. And so now they're 4-1. and they had been 4-0. and oh. We'll see. I mean, like, big things coming with Red Velvet, but again, Ivelisse and Diamante are the best tag team in the world. And so we'll see. What comes of it? I hope to see more tag action in the future. And then the second match, once again, we were deprived of the Tornado DDT when Top Mm -hmm. Flight defeated Fuego Del Sol and John Cruz. SCU defeated Matt and Mike Seidel. And then we had TH2. Against Sean Dean and Carly Bravo, TH2 were fantastic in this match. Helico mm-hmm. was really the gravitational focus of the match, but TH2 were really working together tonight. Perfect work. That $3,700 from Matt Hardy must have bought <laughs> him some practice time because they were perfectly synced. Leading to Helico getting the Navarre death roll before a leg bar for the finisher. It was fantastic. I love the reinvigoration of making the TH2 kind of like the hired guns for big money Matt Hardy. You know, like they're willing it, to yeah. take the bounty. And it's it's <laughs> so cool and unusual and, like I say, a, a nice reinvigoration of their team. And I... I have a slight thing I noticed during their intro, I've meant to mention this before, but my favorite thing during the intro is not in Helico's dancing, but how you can perfectly see their personalities during the intro. And Helico yeah. comes out all cool and calm, does his little dance, but Jack Evans is doing backflips, he's jumping around, he's like a you know, like a monkey. It's incredible. And you see that energy and that dynamic, and they are just so unique together, and I'm hoping that this leads to more for them on Dynamite they well i 'll touch on that in a minute, but on Dynamite, first up, we had Ray Phoenix and Pax versus John Skyler and D three This was a quick match. it was just one minute and ten seconds, but what a fantastic seventy seconds it was. Phoenix and Pack dominated, they looked just lethal, not just tough but lethal. The, everything they did was flawless, and it was really fantastic for as quick as it was. This was one of the better squash type matches we've seen on tv lately but next up we had you know like Some of the real meat in a tag team matchup, FTR and Tully Blanchard versus the Jurassic Express. This was a really fun match, hard-hitting at times, some really fun antics from Tully Blanchard. He put more in than I was expecting with most spots. He worked great with Marco stunt. Uh, His smaller size helped him work with Tully. It was great. Uh, Luchasaurus looked like a killer in the ring He was fantastic with the suplex work But it wasn't enough As a masked man Ran into much confusion And helped Team FTR And they were able to pick up the win With a three-man spike pile driver And Tully got the pin on Marco Stunt After the match The masked man was revealed To to be a bleached blonde Sean Spears And Art Anderson comes out and gives the Four Horsemen hand to the group. So exciting things happening there. We may see a Four Horsemen versus Jurassic Express match soon. And, you know, we'll kind of see it. I'd be there for that. Yeah. I
4: was going to say, speaking yeah. of things that you didn't think about when the show started.
5: <laughs>
6: four Horsemen versus anybody. <laughs>
4: And then Especially you know, Jurassic
5: yeah, Express. Jurassic Express, and then you'd be so excited for it. You're like, yes, yes, this is the match I need. I need, <laughs> you know, like it's so good. And after later in the show, we had kind of some tag team insanity going on. Everybody showed up in the ring. And that leads us to AEW Revolution this Sunday, March the 7th. We will feature Penta in a TNT contendership ladder match. Phoenix will be teaming with with PAC to be in the AEW Casino Tag Team Battle Royale. And so, well, you know, it's kind of interesting. We've been seeing a lot more of this pairing of Phoenix and Pac lately as more of a tag team. And they've definitely set Pinta apart as a solo guy, at least for this pay-per-view. Revolution last year was their highest rated pay-per-view. It actually won pay-per-view of the year in the Wrestling Observer Awards, rather. So it's got a lot to live up to. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, but they've really been shining a light on Phoenix and Pac. So I think we could see them win this tag team battle royale, but SCU is involved in the match. And what does that mean for their retirement? Now, if they, do they only retire if they get pinned? Do they retire <laughs> if they don't win this battle royale? It, it opens up a lot of questions. Yeah. yeah.
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, and then like, do do both members agree to it? If yeah. if they're neither of them takes the pin, but they don't win, does like, cause Kazarian say because he's the one that set this up in the first place, like that's it, we're done, and Daniels would be like, no, yeah. that's not that's not what I agreed to, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be there's there's a lot of very cool storytelling they can do. Or they could just win it, which is um, not to say that that's not cool, but that's a just very different kind of cool because mm-hmm. then they're in contendership for the titles, and you know maybe maybe the they, they have them putting their if we don't win we'll will quit vibe up against the young bucks who had had a run of if we don't yeah. win we'll quit you know would be. I think he said inter- they
4: would never, they would never, they wouldn't challenge for the tag team titles. Mm,
6: yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar energy. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah, similar energy, similar vibes. You know. Yeah, I, I totally get it.
5: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, and very much like with Death Triangle. The SCU also has a solo member in Mm -hmm. the TNT contendership ladder match with Scorpio Sky. So it opens up an interesting dynamic between those two tag teams. A lot of comparisons and similarities that will be very interesting to keep an eye on Sunday during the tag team match. And then we also had, for the buy-in before the match, Thunder Rosa will be teaming with Riho, but first up, Thunder Rosa defeated Riho in a fantastic match as part of the women's tournament. Um, I believe that one was on Bleacher Report. It, it ended yes. up on YouTube regardless. because yes, of yeah. the technical That's,
4: difficulties related to that. But yeah, this was the yeah. one that was on Bleacher Report.
5: It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. They worked together so well. And then she had an okay. I mean, it was a good match, but it wasn't like the Riho match with Nyla Rose, who went on to lose on Dynamite. And so, but anyway, now Thunder Rosa is in a tag team with Riho against Britt Baker and originally Rebel, but then Britt says, The Rebel's injured. She wants to pick her own tag team partner, and we think about when Paul White, formerly Big Show, came out and said, you know, there's a unique talent coming, a Hall of Fame caliber talent, so do we – and he also said, it's not who you think it is. Mm. So do we think that it could be Britt Baker's partner? I mean – Somebody maybe like A.J. Lee could show up to challenge Thunder Rosa and Rio with Britt. Or, uh, Brendan, I think you had a uh... Uh, – uh,
6: Yeah. I mentioned uh, – the name just shot out of my head again. Um, Mickey uh, James. I, and a, Mickey James, thank you.
1: You do yeah. not know yeah. why I'm yeah. having
6: trouble with her name today, but she's definitely Hall of Fame worthy. And, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I believe she's still a free agent. So, yeah, I mean – There's there's that. I mean, obviously, on this show, we're all going to be rooting for, you know, any sort of Lucha. Unfortunately, it can't be Taya anymore, but
2: there's other Lucha ladies
6: that could show up, which we would all be excited to see. Although, teaming with Britt Baker, I hope not.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I think Thea Trinidad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
4: Uh, Tony has come out and said he is interested in in working with her and so oh. um he's been waiting until her no compete clause has expired so he has gone out to state he is going to be actively talking with her um and whether that be and and I think you know it could be in a managerial role of course because she's very very talented in that way but they just def- mm-hmm. definitely need her caliber on the women's roster you know they need someone who's and you think about it you know if you're mm-hmm. looking for a good heel tag team she can produce that in a snap she could do that oh, with her eyes closed that so if you're looking so for someone good. yeah to bring in the heat Sia can do that
6: yep absolutely uh I'd be a little sad to have Rebel replaced because I think Rebel is a, a oh,
5: wonderful is so revelation in that in role. Spot. Yeah, like they are so perfect together. And to think that she came in as a makeup person yeah. and then, <laughs> you know, got to move on. I mean, it's just incredible, yeah. her arc. And and Britt yeah. Baker, too, last year, it back to the Wrestling Observer uh, Awards, she won Most Improved. And you can really – see it in this feud, and it took yes. somebody – I mean, Steel Sharp and Steel, and we saw that with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Somehow they pushed it to be more than what it was The when they poured the water on her face and wiped off the makeup. and yeah. I mean, like, th- there has been some incredible heel work with Britt Baker on this, and so I'm really excited to see where this goes. I actually contacted AEW some time ago for a quote or an interview from Thunder Rosa or Britt Baker. And I was told that they wouldn't be giving any interviews or quotes or anything until after revolution. So that's kind of interesting too. It you know, sets up a more mysterious dynamic for the, for the show and what, what may happen there. And, and I also think that we could also maybe see Diana Parrazzo come. We've seen a lot of impact talent back and forth and uh, I just don't know there's a lot of yeah. speculation, a lot of up in the air
4: well, and that would be. that would be super beneficial for impact because if the only people that from impact have been on a e w television are the good brothers, and so exactly. if it's truly this you know crossover or partnership, whatever it is. Leverage what Impact has going pretty well for itself, for the most part, in the knockouts division and lend that to
1: mm-hmm. the
4: AEW women's division, which is still really kind of struggling to, to find its footing. Um, so I I, w- I absolutely agree with that idea and that, that teamwork, I think, and, and dynamic between Britt Baker and Diana Bratso would be uh, yeah.
5: awesome. It would yeah, it really would. fantastic. That would be such a cool team. So, it'll be interesting. There's a lot that could go on in AEW this week. Uh, you know, Revolution, like I mentioned, was kind of the pay-per-view last year. That's the one that everybody, I mean, there was a lot of emotional investment in the storylines. And so, it'll be interesting. It kind of sets up a lot of things for this year. So, hopefully, we'll see a lot, you know, more Lucha content. There's going to be a sixth competitor. And the latter match it hasn't been announced yet, but from the kind of discussion with Tony Khan, it sounds like that's going to be somebody within the company. We'll see who that is. That will be kind of fun and interesting. But we also have the street fight with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks versus Sting and Darby Allin, and I am really looking forward to that. Team Taz. We we've seen a lot. I have a feeling this will be a cinematic match, or filmed in a way that Sting mm-hmm. doesn't really need to do but, much. But we've also seen him take a bump from yeah. Brian Cage, yeah. so it's
6: and I, they've it's, gone out of their way to to make him look strong, like he, mm-hmm, he's throwing people strong. around. Yeah. So so I think he wants to do some work, and it it may still be more cinematic in nature. But yeah, the, it, Sting does not seem to be shy of. Uh, because he took the power bomb and he then also uh, found his way through on through, um, this in the fight this week, the scrum this week, where he got to look powerful and dominant and clear the ring almost by himself.
5: Yeah, I mean, they're really doing their best to make him seem almost superhuman. So it'll sure. be exciting to see. We saw how well it worked with The Undertaker and the Boneyard match at WrestleMania mm-hmm. to do it, it cinematic style. So it'll... Be really interesting to see what comes from Revolution, and we will have all the results and news and excitement from Revolution next week, right here, same time, same place, same channel. <laughs>
4: Thank you, Dusty, for uh, all of the WWE and AEW news and roundup. Oh, Up next, we have MLW. We have the return of Fusion this week. Uh, and the show started off with the MLW World Tag Team Champions, Los Parks, facing Contra Unit, Davari and Simon Gotch. And, you know, this match was I, a, a great display for Simon Gotch and, and Davari, especially Daivari. Um, he really used more of his technical uh, skill set to really put a hurting on at L.A. Park. Uh, but ultimately, as you know, the tactics that Los Parks have pulled. Uh, eventually, we did see L.A. Park Jr. come out from underneath the ring. However, the referee caught it this time and prevented him from coming into the ring to do the old switcheroo. However, another thing happened in which, uh, you know, was was bad news for Contra Unit, and that was injustice. Jordan Oliver and Myron Reed came out for the distraction, um, and Contra Unit has been having this, this rivalry against injustice for quite some time. They uh, ended up causing the distraction, and... Uh, L.A. Park was able to use his vicious spear on Davari for the win. So you still have Los Parks as your tag team champions. We also had a really good match between Calvin Tankman and Laredo Kid. Um, and so you know we've we've seen something similar uh, with Calvin Tankman versus Senshi not too long ago. Um, and Calvin Tankman's size is still something that you know is you know, very similar to some of the big men that can actually move and be athletic, um, like uh Keith Lee, like a uh, Willie Mack, like a uh, Black Taurus. You know, those things are are very impressive. Um but Laredo Kid had a, a really good outstanding uh match with this. I mean really trying to leverage his speed and lucha libre uh skills to kind of just almost confuse Calvin Tinkman. Um, there was a brutal, brutal shoulder block that sent Laredo <laughs> Kid flying halfway across the ring, spinning in the air. <laughs>
6: yes, so, it was brutal looking. It was great.
4: Yes, and Calvin Tankman did win with the Tankman Driver. Um, and there was still also some discussion too about what a win for Laredo Kid for this match would would mean, as to you know trying to get his way back to Leo Rush and eventually the AAA. Uh. Uh, cruiserweight championship. They still mention that Leo Rush is still both the MLW, uh, middleweight and triple a uh cruiserweight Mm -hmm. champion so they start distinguishing those things on mlw television um so you know pretty pretty interesting in that but uh, i think too utilizing someone who's you know with the experience of laredo kid to the size of calvin tankman they really did use that this episode to help build him up as we saw later on in the show um but also
6: go ahead they did a thing that i found very cool with this match laredo Laredo kid, when he was on his game, was ahead most of the time. So when he was using quickness and kicks and coming at you from all the odd angles, Tankman looked in trouble. But Laredo kid kept stopping and throwing punches. And every time that he threw a punch or tried to to do any sort of power move to Tankman, Tankman would take right back over, Mm -hmm. which is exactly how that's supposed to work yeah so. it,
4: it really is MLW is very smart in how they I mean some of their things are a little silly but in the majority of the time uh, I, I will cite Los Parks constantly using the same twin magic routine uh, as silly like, literally the match before this is, is one where I'm like I don't know if I trust that however you're absolutely right in the composition of their matches and the way that they strategize them it makes sense and so, absolutely, it does make you wonder why Laredo Kid would then use try try to use a power move when there was an obvious size disadvantage. And I found myself
6: could... yelling at the screen because of that. So, yeah. like, they they did a good job. They yeah. made me, they made me like care that he was being dumb. Like, stop yeah. it!
4: <laughs> You're better than this, Loreto Kid. <laughs> You're better than this. So again another I mean very outstanding episode of MLW Fusion we are still seeing you know the effects of promociones dorado um as they are still representing Los Parks and uh you know that that presence is still lingering of course with Selena De La Renta um and they are indicating that uh maybe we are going to see some kind of rivalry some kind of program between uh Hammerstone uh and uh Oh gosh. Why am I skipping his name? Um The Dynasty. Um Richard oh, yeah. Holiday. Yes. Holiday. Uh yeah. versus uh, Promociones promocionos as as so there's are seemingly they're seeming to hint something there, um, which would be very interesting to, to see. So especially like if you have like a Mil Muertes versus Hammerstone, like Oh please, please take my money. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll remain watching MLW to see what happens next. But speaking of MLW, uh the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast team had the honor of interviewing someone who you can watch regularly on MLW, and that is the Aerial artist himself, Zenshi. Um we were able to speak with him about you know his work currently at MLW, but also more of his training and background in Chile, um and, and more in central and southern uh Latin America, um his training in the United States. Uh, and also some of his work with Art and what he's trying to do to really help build the wrestling economy around the world. Um, so, you know, it, it was a fantastic interview and we are very excited for, uh, you to listen to it. Uh, Brennan and, and uh, Sam I'm Curious, you know, what were some of the, your takeaways from the interview with Senshi?
6: Well, I, the the concept of lucha economy or wrestling economy, really, I love that. I love that uh, what he's doing with his website and what he's doing with people that he's worked with in the past or, and people that he wants to work with in the future is trying to sow the seeds of putting wrestling in parts of the world that it's not either not doing well in or hasn't been traditionally in. And, uh it, and that's that's how you you grow the sport in new and different ways, as you put it in communities that haven't haven't had an opportunity like this until someone takes the time to invest in them. So that just blew me away.
5: Yeah, that was very cool. And his investment in the like the mask making and everything mm-hmm. there was very yeah. cool, too. You know that he, I he believe it was a Peruvian maker. Yes. Yes. For the one that. That he had but i mean
6: he, yes. yeah he's got other he's he says he gets a mask everywhere he goes so yeah that's
5: very cool <laughs>
4: mhm so the full interview is up on lucha central's youtube page but we're going to give you a little sneak peek right now with our exclusive interview with mlw superstar senshi
6: Actually bound to the south american areas uh, okay. can you Describe for the, the, some of us that, like, kind of the similarities and differences in the indie structure there versus here.
3: Yeah. So, um, so that's a great question. Um, well, in America, there's, there's no shortage of wrestling shows to be a part of. Well, I'm kind of speaking pre pandemic too, because the landscape <laughs> has part. completely changed now.
6: Of course. Yeah. Um,
3: so this was a little more true before last year. Um, but it's still, there's a lot of opportunities here. In South America, Chile, um, Santiago specifically has become like the epicenter for a lot of the wrestling in South America. It's probably one of the only places you could be a wrestler and kind of stay semi active is the Santiago area. Um, outside of Santiago, there's no, there's wrestling in Chile, but maybe one or two promotions here or there. In Peru, there's literally promotions and one doesn't even run very often um uh there's there's two and in bolivia <laughs> there's like two you know what i mean in paraguay yeah. there's one in uh ecuador there's probably like three colombia maybe three it's very um it's struggling you know and and part of that is the enormous cost for anyone outside of south america to come to come there so think about over time you got the veterans that were there. They're only getting older. You know, they're doing their best to teach the next generation. But without fresh blood, of course, their ideas are going to get kind of stale. You know, you need you need if, if the wrestlers aren't working, if they're not wrestling uh, people better than them, foreigners that can bring them things that they can't know over time, it, it, the wrestling economy kind of it struggles, you know, in places like that that are kind of far off and not just South America, like. Zimbabwe, I'm sure there's plenty of people that would love to be wrestlers there, but how? You know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. So it, it so it, it develops in pockets. So Santiago is a huge pocket. You know, um, Lima is a, is a good place to wrestle, but it's a uh, it's very different, very different, very different. <laughs>
4: You brought up the wrestling economy a few times. Can you tell us a little bit about your work with LuchaWare and how that Ooh. project is, you know, working towards developing and building the wrestling economy in several Latin American
3: countries? You're, you're sharp, Miranda. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. you're sharp. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got this thing going on. Um, who likes video games in the room? Anybody, anybody knows Zelda? Yes. Zelda, the old yes. Triforce, yeah. you know, yeah. the, tr- there's yeah. everything working together. So I created this little thing over the pandemic uh, period, you know, and I had this in my mind for some years, but it took sitting at home, not being able to wrestle, trying to figure out what's, what do we do if we can't wrestle mm-hmm. for, for you to finally give birth to these ideas. You know, we all got them, right? We all got we all got them. So one of those points is called luchaware. Um, One of those points is called the League of Luchadors, the LOL for short. And one of those points <laughs> is called We Can Lucha. And I'll speak to that one first. We Can Lucha is kind of like our way of giving back. You know, like I've said, um, all these years I've been going to Chile. Let me start with this. My first trip that I went to Chile was in 2014. I had just won this title, this bright-eyed kid that's only been in the business a couple of years, blah, 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 blah. Now they want to bring me here and, they treated me like a king. They treated me in a way that I've never been treated on the Indies as just a throwaway guy, num- a number in the locker room. You know, there's so many dirty, deceitful people, promoters, wrestlers. There's a lot of good people too, but especially at that time, like people like to take advantage of you. It was a different environment in Chile. I, I, I was the, the way I was treated was was in, in, in respected. To the point where it's like, okay, all right, you make the mat. Like you, you're here. Like we listen to you, and I'm like, I almost overwhelmed. Like I'm like, you guys got it wrong. I'm just some kid. Like I can't handle this. But they trusted <laughs> me with that, and it was the, it was a learning experience. Okay, so then I come back maybe a year later, and then, and it's great. Blah blah blah.
4: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is just a sneak peek, a little taste of our interview with Senshi. As you can tell, we had a great time. He was a fantastic interview and getting to learn more about, you know, his, you know, work in Lucha Libre, that style and aesthetic, you know, why that. And, you know, again, his continued great work in MLW, including some of the people that he wants to face next. Uh, there were some very interesting names that he mentioned, so go ahead and watch the full interview on Lucha Central. Brendan, you got some, uh, you know, new information for us on Mass Republic and what's going on with them?
6: Well, yeah, I, I mean, you just mentioned some. Something casually and suddenly you get all kinds of information it's great so expo lucha is coming up march 20th look for the the video to be live streamed on the lucha central youtube and the expo lucha facebook page uh they i alluded to it earlier that vampiro interview is going to be on there uh kevin has said that he's listened to the feedback from fans there will be more panels but they will also be shorter so that those of you that need to get up and, um, play with your GI Joes or whatever it is you're doing in, in lockdown, um, it can, you can do that. There will be live autograph signings with, uh, live virtual autograph signings with Psychosis and, uh, Bestia 666, uh, in this, this next week. So as, as we we are recording here, and then we're going to go up on Saturday, probably. Uh, sometime after you're hearing this, look to Expo Lucia's social media or Master Public social media. They are going to be dropping details next week on how to participate in the virtual autograph signings. So this is your chance to, to, to do that, and uh, the only thing really that's going to be stopping you is if you don't know how to do it. So, pay. we will. When we know, we'll bring it up on the show. But hopefully, it, it's not as it's not time sensitive, and you and uh, you haven't won't have already missed it if you wait a full week for us to tell you how to do it. Um, we also got some other very interesting news. Then Miranda. Would you like to tell us about what special part you're going to be playing in this year's Expo Lucha?
4: Yes, yeah. You know, not to put me on the spot or anything. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, uh, yes, me, Miranda Morales, I will be your host uh, for the Luchador dating game uh, that they will be having uh, at Expo Lucha. So I will be helping a contestant find the love of their life with you know some luchador bachelors and so uh i you know i'm a i'm a firm believer in love uh i believe in it i I hope that people find it, and you know why not you know if i can do my part to help play matchmaker um it is the ring of love dating game and, and so uh just i believe it was a few days ago uh if you are interested in becoming a contestant uh, they had information on expolucha.com um but yes i will be your lovely host for the ring of love dating game
6: so they very cool there you go there's your If you are the bachelorette, there's your consolation prize. You get to to hang out with Miranda. I mean, yes.
4: (laughs) And find true love. I mean, isn't
6: love the ultimate prize? It is for for the love of Lucha, as Kevin mentioned. So hopefully that's what happens, is much Lucha and much love happens out of this event. But, I mean. That's that's cool news. Uh, congratulations on getting that. That's, that's like it's going to be fun. Uh, hopefully we get to announce in the near future who the – well, no, we won't announce who they are. We will have to all tune in and find out. Yes. That's that's how it's supposed to go. That's that's the trick. I want to know who these guys are. That's why I'm so excited about this. Because
4: yes, there's that, so many the interesting
6: personalities in the world of lucha. You, yeah, we
4: do not know who the <laughs> contestant is, the lovely bachelorette, and we do not know who the bachelors are, the luchadors. <laughs> so the fact that there's so many unknown variables already will make my job either way easier or way harder. So even oh, just no, it a few could be way
6: times. hard. Just, I mean, just look at the personalities that exist in Lucha. There's yeah. there is nothing timid or normal about anybody that could possibly be on the show, which is what has me so excited about this. So uh, <laughs> good l- luck to you, but I think you're going to have a blast. Um, so then one of the other cool things we got is that uh, Kevin mentioned that there's going to be special Expo Lucha-only merch. There's going to be stuff that you will only be able to get the week of Expo Lucha that's uh I believe going to be exclusive from any of the vendors they've got. There's going to be Expo Lucha themed merch that you will be able to get this year, uh and uh and and other things. But they are holding off on announcing that sort of thing for a little while longer, but they do want did want me to mention that little tease that there's going to be exclusive merch. And I um, mean, Kevin knows that that's how you get my ears to perk up, like exclusive <laughs> merch. Please tell me more. Yeah. Is it Boss Fight Studio exclusive merch? Because I will throw money at the screen. Uh, <laughs> and those of you who will eventually get to see the Zenchi interview. Uh, I throw money at the screen during that too, so I'm yeah. not I'm not kidding. Yeah, um,
4: yeah that's true. He, he literally, yeah. did, you know, <laughs> if, if she could reach through the screen, he could have probably grabbed Brendan's wallet. <laughs> I wouldn't have regretted it. Um, and then uh, he gave uh, we
6: have we have the match. I went over the some of the matches last week. We did I did get confirmation that there are going to be a number. He didn't say what the number was of never before seen matches from Lucha Time. Oh, so okay. never before seen is okay. is a like considerably different than you know we found these under the couch after we showed them last time. So super exciting stuff. We've been covering Lucha Time on this show. Uh, if I get more information on who some of the participants are, I might be able to give you guys a little bit of a primer. So that's my next, like, super secret question I'm going to try and get him to, to, to cue us in on. But stay tuned. Maybe I'll have more info on who, who some of these Lucha time people will be. That's, uh, that's what we've got. It's all about Expo Lucha. They're getting excited and pumped for that. That's March 20th, Lucha Central YouTube, Expo Lucha Facebook page.
4: Mm. Thank you, Brendan, for that update. Up next, NXT! Uh, and really the big highlight, uh, for Lucha Libre fans this week was the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match between Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Now, Raquel and Dakota won this opportunity by becoming the winners of the first ever Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, uh, the Women's Tag Team Classic, uh, Dusty cup champions. Um, and so this has been something anticipated for a few weeks after their stare down, uh, on NXT. And so both teams were fairly riled up. Also shout out Raquel Gonzalez was featured on NXT's Instagram stories and she had some really good segments between her and Robo Mendoza of La de Fantasma, just being an absolute boss. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, shout out to to her. Uh, But, yes, so in this match, really, though, the interesting dynamic here is that, speaking of Raquel Gonzalez, she wasn't featured that much in this match. Dakota Kai was the one who started, and she was pretty outmatched by Shayna Baszler already and someone who she's had history with. The Dakota Kai we see in this ring today is very different than the Dakota Kai that, you know, was in the ring prior to uh, with Shayna Baszler. So that was already a pretty high level of anticipation. However, Shayna Baszler is the same Shayna Baszler. So, uh, you know, Dakota Kai was, was fairly outmatched, um, and then we had tag-ins uh, with Nia Jax as well, who she ut- really utilized her her size um, in order to keep Dakota Kai away from uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Now, we finally did get that hot tag with Raquel Gonzalez, but it was a picture-in-picture moment, which was very uh, disappointing, uh, where we yeah. had Shayna Baszler versus... Raquel Gonzalez and there was some great moments with grappling which again you know that is Shayna's bread and butter but it's almost a surprise too that you know Raquel went in there and said I got you you think that this second is second
6: generation know? luchador
4: yeah it just that was fascinating but you had to really pay attention in picture in picture which was just it kind of blew my mind as oh, to why they did it hurt it. That, right? it hurt my heart Right? Hurt. yeah <laughs> i've been
6: a- I'd been waiting weeks for that moment, and
4: right? oh, yeah. yeah, they did break it up. They were outside of the ring, and they both pairs kind of stared each other down um and there was a spot where sheena baszler um you almost locked in the Carefuda clutch on Dakota Kai, but Raquel Gonzalez broke that up and got a, a tag in. However, the referee went down, and we also had Gonzalez and Nia Jax go outside the ring and smash into the announce table. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was some kind of confusion as to who the legal person was. Technically, Uh, Raquel Gonzalez was the legal person. She had tagged in. Um, however, a new referee came out and believed Dakota Kai to be the legal person. So Dakota Kai, uh, tapped out, uh, to the Carefuda Clutch. Um, even though she passed out. She didn't tap. She did not tap. She passed out, uh, (laughs) to the Carefuda Clutch and, uh, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler retained. However, you know, that was on the calling of Adam Pierce coming from, you know, Raw and SmackDown. Uh and William Regal is not having any of this. Nobody comes to NXT without William Regal having something to say about this. So they are alluding to uh, a big announcement William Regal is going to have next week about this match, about the status of the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. But it does seem that, you know, this is not over yet. So I think that this was, you know, as much as it dis- it's a disappointment to not have some resolution, it also then means we- we're we probably going to see this again. We get and to see it again.
6: And hopefully, again. yeah, hopefully with more time. It's- and no commercial breaks, God damn it!
4: no picture in picture <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I was kind of excited to see Raquel and Naya, but to see Raquel and Shayna in the in the ring that oh uh-huh. that itself was very, very interesting, just because of the fact that not only with her size and strength but also her her wrestling ability, Raquel can go toe to toe with with Shayna, period,
6: yeah, yeah, and they, they, we got to see it, which yeah. just makes. One of the many reasons why I just keep swearing up and down that Raquel is just a super mega star and waiting to happen and, uh, we get closer and closer every week. They just keep putting her in these great matches with great situations. So, somebody believes in her, uh, other than me.
4: No, absolutely. Again, like she was she she was featured uh, on a takeover of, of WWE's Instagram page and you got to see a little bit of comedy, a little bit of her ridiculous workout uh boomings, uh in the WWE Performance Center. Calling out Raquel or, or Raul Mendoza. That was that was awesome. So I I loved it. Um speaking of, we did see a return of Legado de Fantasma. Oh, and um, it was so great. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, last week uh Santos lost against Karen Cross in an ODQ match. This week we were supposed to see a tag match between Ever Rise and Brizango. However, uh as Brizango was making their entrance, Legado de Fantasma came out and attacked them. And then uh, Santos Escobar single-handedly took out Ever Rise, and so they declared they after they laid everybody out. Um, Santos declared that the group was still as strong as good as ever, um, and so they are reestablishing themselves and they're going after you know these these tag teams. Now it does seem like you know are they trying to go for the NXT tag titles or or what exactly is is there any? Well, we did know that they had some kind of a pass with Breezango, uh, are they going to revisit that or are we going to see them, you know, attack more people on the roster? I think it'd be great that you kind of almost never you don't know where they're going to show up. You kind of need that unpredictability yeah. to kind of help yep. reestablish their them as a trio and not like as a as a strong no, expected. Yeah, yeah, as a strong force to be reckoned with trio. So uh, they're planting some seeds with Legado de Fantasma. And I, again, I don't think that the loss itself to Carrion was anything negative for them. Um, I think even with that, they are still one of the, the best groups in NXT. So uh, I do think though, taking it up a notch and really being more aggressive is how you continue to keep you know people's yep. attention, and you also then kind of elevate them to the to the next level. Now, some interesting NXT news that came out this week. Um, information rumors have been circulating that NXT is looking to move to Tuesday nights. Um, there's been some uh, speculation that it's going to be happening the Tuesday after WrestleMania. Um, and, you know, I'll share a perspective, and then uh, I know Brendan has some additional news and perspective on it. This comes, the, the information that I know and perspective that I've heard, that it is a decision based off of something that's happening with NBC, specifically NBC Sports. That is a channel that is going to be going away soon, and that content needs to move to other NBC Universal entities. The entity, the specific sport that is impacting this is hockey that usually goes on Wednesday nights. So the business decision behind this seemingly is that hockey is going to be coming into USA Networks on Wednesday, so that they have to move uh, NXT to Tuesdays. Brendan, you have a different perspective on this, kind of a different spin that others have been reporting on. I want to share that as well.
6: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's rooted in the same thing that NBC is largely responsible for, for this change, but it's, uh, the, uh, the emphasis originally when NXT went on, on Wednesdays was that even though they, they were pretty sure they might lose head to head against AEW, if they took a significant chunk of the AEW viewership away from them during investors calls, it would, they would still be able to make Raw, and SmackDown look stronger. But if, with the emphasis being, we need subscribers to this new NBC service, we want to get the best viewership possible for a show, it makes more sense to have uh, NXT go uncontested by another wrestling show, although Tuesday's not really the the absolute best night for that either, but I don't think they, <laughs> I don't think the WWE or NBC are aware of the indie shows on Tuesday. Um so they yeah they they decided to the rumor was they decided to move it for that reason to have a better access to viewership and have have the best audience rate that they could get to to keep subscribers in, involved in Peacock
2: mm-hmm.
6: and then I got an email today as a dev, or not today this week as a subscriber to uh yeah. to the network talking about that and uh and, I found this part of it interesting too, that NXT on Peacock, once it is, of once it's all content is available there, will be available the next day on Peacock, whereas episodes of Raw and SmackDown will not be available until 30 days after air date. So mm-hmm. if you want to keep up to date on your NXT, which let's, let's face it is unquestionably the best product that WWE has right now. Um, the Peacock Channel seems like the best investment, but uh they uh, – and then I think they know it too if they're going to make it so that that's your place to go if you can't watch it live.
4: Yeah. Very good point about how, yeah. you know, the move the, to, the, of the WWE network to Peacock may be influencing, you know, what's happening with, with NXT. Cause we, you know, originally think it's only going to affect, you know, more of that typical content on, on the network. But again, it's a, and that's what happens too with big conglomerates or big organizations like NBC Universal that owns multiple uh, networks, um, these things just have a way of happening whether it is a business strategy related to some of their other networks or is it really how directly tied is it into WWE and them adopting the WWE network. So, um, we will be reporting more as we hear more about what is going to be happening with NXT if it does move on to another night. You know, that's definitely going to change the dynamics of Wednesday nights if we see them move. Um, and uh, we will definitely be talking about it because there's very, very, very many layers to it. Uh, but don't forget you can get your NXT results on luchacentral.com. Uh, Brendan, you have some CMLL news to share.
6: Just a little bit. Uh, the, uh, Copa Jr. is available for purchase on Ticketmaster. It is currently 178 pesos. They have not promised or threatened to raise the price, but that was their tra- traditional scheme the last time they were doing this, is as you got closer to the date that they, the prices would raise. So um, this is definitely the time to do it, because that is, uh, my quick math says, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 8 to $10. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely not afraid to spend that much money for two hours of Lucha Libre. Um, there is uh, still no video on demand option because it's a Ticketmaster thing. So if you want to watch it, you have to tune in. Previous ones, some matches, select matches eventually wind up on the YouTube channel. But, again, no promises. So uh, I, if you are interested in the Copa Jr. or any of the matches revolving around it, the best way to do it is get on Ticketmaster. Uh, if you are having trouble with the page, which I did the first time I did it, feel free to to message me. I will give you help. Uh, I believe there's a guide that a couple of people might have put out there. I'm going to try and find it so that I can link it to you if, as well. But I'm always happy to help if you want need need to uh to order yourself um and then in other news cmll and new japan have finally announced that they're still in a partnership together uh, um it kind of the timing on it was kind of weird as far as i mean like cubs fan and a couple of other people were like well why didn't you say this like when you announced the canceling of Fantastic mania which would have made more sense like why can't uh you know why can't we announce then, but uh who knows who knows maybe uh maybe it's just they finally came to the agreement like oh yeah, no, we really need do want to keep doing shows with with uh each other going on uh even even though uh there's this pandemic going on maybe uh maybe we should say something officially so people don't get worried, but they did say that dusty, did you hear anything from the new Japan side on the the agreement.
5: Um, I all I really heard was basically what you heard. You know that it they said they would not use any talent. You know, would not work with anyone in Mexico aside from CMLL, and that they would not be bringing in any talent to New Japan aside from CMLL. And so. It's kind of hard to say there. I think it's just an affirmation. Like, they didn't run Fantastica Mania this Mm -hmm. year, and I think people were just kind of curious, especially with AAA working with AEW and is New Japan working with AEW? Mm -hmm. The lines are more blurred than they ever were, and I think this was just an attempt to clear the water a little and kind of let on that it's a happy partnership between the two of them, and they expect it to continue.
6: And we fully know that... uh CMLL does not want to have anything to do with, uh, any sort of partnership with any organization that might work with AAA. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. I, 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 first Expo Lucha, I watched this happen. They announced like a good half dozen to a dozen CMLL wrestlers that were going to be appearing. And then a week, uh, a week later, they announced like two or three AAA active AAA wrestlers that were going to be appearing. And slowly but surely, all of the CMLL wrestlers disappeared off of that, and and it's it's just because CMLL does not want to have any wrestlers working at shows with AAA talent. Period. So yeah, if uh, AEW is working with AAA and, and New Japan and New Japan is, you know, potentially gonna have AAA wrestlers hanging around in the locker room. They want to CML pro, CMLL probably needed that assurance, but uh that certainly they didn't say anything on that out loud. But also CMLL doesn't out loud say that they hate the hate AAA either.
4: <laughs> so it's all underlying. That's all yeah. It
5: yeah. And written politics of mm-hmm. Lucha
4: Libre. Yes. Well, I mean, that's historic, but, you know, speaking of historic, Dusty, why don't you take oh. us to this week, in Lucha, this week in Lucha Libre history?
5: Yeah, that's right. It's time for This Week in Lucha Libre History. Be sure to check in at luchacentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre history by Pep Carrera. For information, Birthdates, anniversaries, amazing videos, everything—all about Lucha Libre at luchacentral.com. Your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week, I chose March the fourth, two thousand sixteen, when Dragon Lee defeated Kamaitachi, better known now as Hiromu Takahashi, for the CMLL World Super Lightweight Championship. This was a great match. Dragon Lee and Hiromu, they faced each other ten times. Dragon Lee has the slight advantage with six wins to Hiromu's four, and this match was probably their best match together out of the ten. Just fantastic. The first two falls came very quickly in less than five minutes, but the third fall was drawn out for nearly 20 minutes. It was just fantastic. Dragon Lee got the win, And with the Phoenix Plex and became the two-time CMLL super lightweight champion. He had only been pinned at that point by Kamatachi, so it was kind of an interesting story, a hot feud. I highly recommend everybody check out this match. It's a technical masterpiece. Like it is just so great, good. Great match. And yeah, I'm hoping that by not elaborating as much on the specifics of the match, that it will encourage people to watch it because it is incredible. Like I don't want to give much away. You need to see it. Like it, it's incredible. Yeah. What just go watch pre- it. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Like, yeah. Pause the podcast. Check out the match. Come back. <laughs> uh, What did you pick this week, Brendan?
6: Um, So I I had a master plan. I had a nice historic match that I was all excited about. And then I looked at the list again, and I realized that there was a match of the day that I thought would be very interesting to watch. So this week I chose match, match of the day from March 3rd, 2005, the 290th episode of SmackDown where Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio wrestled against Mark Jindrak and Luther Reigns. Now, those of you who are a little younger may not be aware why this is a fantastic lucha match. Uh Mark Jindrak later went on to be known as Marco Corleone and performed out of CMLL uh for for a long time. Time he uh, he so embraced the lucha libre culture. He was married by Frey Torment, the character the the, the persona that Jack Black based the the Nacho Libre movie on. Uh, so I mean he is uh, thoroughly thoroughly lucha libre, and uh, Eddie and Ray, obviously uh, are generation defining luchadors. So I I wanted to watch this. Uh, Jindrak and Reigns were being booked and used like typical Vince McMahon action figure men. Like, they're, they were big guys who were throwing the little guys around and they were mean about it. So, there was, they, the, you could see little hints of Jindrak's like athletic ability and that he could have been a good luchador, but he clearly didn't have anything lucha-like in this match, but, they, uh, Seeing him work with Eddie and Ray and then knowing the, the, the future that that was going to be there made this match very interesting. And at the end of the match, this was the match where they lost, Jindrak and Reigns lost, and then they uh, had a little bit of a fist fight at the end of it. So, uh, I believe that if you were to continue on in that history, you start to see Jindrak turn face and he starts to do a little more of that high-flying stuff. But I'm less aware on that because SmackDown was used Usually on on nights that I worked at that in 2005, so I only got to see SmackDown on rare occasions, and DVRing wasn't a, a thing in my life yet. Uh, but so that was it what I had. Uh, Match of the day from March 3rd, 2005. Miranda, what did you wind up finding this week?
4: I ended up picking March 5th, 2017, and this is when El Apache, Fabi Apache, and Mary Apache won the AAA World Trials Championship yes. after beating yes. Los OGTs, Averno, Chessman, and Superfly Ricky Martin, Marvin, um, and this was at a live AAA show, and this is where it gets... The description of it is, is technically, yes, that's what happened, but it's not exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> no. Because this these belts Changed hands technically in a singles Match between Fabi Apache And Ricky Marvin and this Was an apuestas match it was a title Versus career match Um, so Essentially if uh, Fabi lost uh, the Apache family had to retire Um, And if not then if They did win then they became trios champions And that's exactly what happened so um, It was not a typical Trios match it was technically a one On one match um, and and Fabi won on behalf of her family um, against Ricky Marvin. So that that is where the in learning about this match is where the swerve comes in, um, and and where the description is slightly misleading.
6: Misleading, yeah. Well, the 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 Apache versus OGT feud was all about those crazy swerves and and bumps, and it was it was some of my favorite stuff coming out at that that. Period of AAA.
4: Yes, yes, and the Apache family. I mean, they are just historic, and so this too, you know, for them to have so much on the line. um, I think it was likely a very feel-good moment when they won uh, the trios championship. Now, I was not able to locate this online, knowing that it was at a live show, even though it was 2017. By at that time, they were. You know, filming lots of things. I have not yet been able to, uh, find this, uh, online, but I, I'm a big fan of the Apache family. Like they are very much that, 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 uh, baby face, uh, family stable that, you know, is a, is a little old school, but also works so well for them. Um, and, you know, really as an intergender match, uh, as well. I mean, they they do it better than nobody else can. That is what I picked for this week in Lucha Libre History. And as Dusty mentioned, you can find this day in Lucha Libre History at LuchaCentral.com. Well, Brendan, though, I mean, while we're at it, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what else they can find at LuchaCentral.com?
6: I got you on this. If you're listening to this, you haven't visited luchacentral.com. Um, it's time to do it. luchacentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. Place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives in all all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of all of this, it's free. I mean, come on, you can't be free, especially right now, free. Lucha Central, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre.
4: Up next, we have this week in Impact Wrestling. And... Uh, This match itself was kind of an effect of what happened last week And that's a three-way match to determine the new number one contenders For the X Division Championship We had Black Taurus Chris Bay and Ace Austin facing each other. And this is because they won. They were on the winning side of a six man tag, uh, during last week's episode, which was a really great match. Um, and really what you saw during this match is Chris Bay and Ace Austin working together to try and, you know, tackle and, and mitigate the size and technicality of Black Taurus. Um, which they had some challenges with. Uh, <laughs> so there was that, that teamwork dynamic, but ultimately. Taurus really overcoming those efforts by Chris Bay and and Ace Austin pretty early on and showing his his strength. I mean, again, I've been really enjoying Black Taurus's work at Impact, especially in the X Division, um, because of his versatility uh, in, in his work. But ultimately, he is a strong man. He is the strongest one in the entire X Division at this point. Um, But he can pull a a slam or a flip at any given notice, at a a moment's notice. Um, And I loved the work he did with Ace Austin, um, especially because he really overpowered him and the way that Ace sold it, I thought was fantastic. Um, But ultimately, Ace Austin helped move the momentum around. Some of that was due to a really good dropkick against Taurus, and then ultimately some help from Madman Fulton, who uh, distracted and tripped up Chris Bay, um, and Ace Austin getting the win. So Ace Austin is now your new number one contender for the X Division Championship and will be facing TJP. Uh, also a reminder that, uh, Impact Wrestling has their Impact Plus, uh, card, pay-per-view, uh, Sacrifice happening February, no, yes, sorry, uh, Sacrifice. I, first, I was looking at, at, uh, No Surrender, which is also February 13th or March 13th. Sorry, March 13th, Impact Plus, Impact Plus Special um Sacrifice. Um And that is also where we're going to see TJP versus Ace Austin for the X Division Championship. So that is going to be great. And talking about crossover, we are going to see the Impact World Tag Team Championships on the line. The Good Brothers versus Finn Juice uh, from New Japan, uh David <laughs> Finley and Juice Robinson.
6: Such a cute name. Yeah.
4: It's, cool. it's, it's adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> but, uh, yes, again, again, X Division. I mean, if you are looking for, you know, something different and unique and, you know, really great wrestling on a weekly basis, Impact X Division is where it's at. And I just love Black Taurus in this role, in this edition, his oh, his new role in Decay as well. Um, I, have, I mentioned it when he first came. It's perfect because he doesn't need to speak. <laughs> and he can just be a monster. And he has this, you know, and, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just, you know, when, when you have a shiny new toy on the block, I feel like Taurus is that, and then they're just gonna mess it up, and it's gonna break my heart. But I, in the moment, I'm, I'm happy. I'm gonna just live in the moment. Fun stuff. Yeah, don't look, don't think about the
6: possible downsides, just think about how awesome it is right now to watch this big bull man run Chris Bay over. Yeah,
4: I like it. I dig it. <laughs> Impact Wrestling every Tuesday. Watch it. <laughs> Up next, we have, I mean, a huge, huge week in Ring of Honor, Brendan. I mean, let's let's just get into oh. it.
6: Oh, this was such a good episode of Ring of Honor. Another show that is bringing you pretty good, consistent wrestling action. Like wrestling. there's there. Yeah, I've got a. Emphasizing that word because that's a big thing that's going on with their this week's show too. So in the opening match, LFI La Facción Ingobernable in were going for the World Tag Team Titles against the Foundation, Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal, and this was in a pure rules tag match. This, uh, there haven't been many of those, but because the foundation had it, they, they dictated the terms and they made this a pure rules match. So you had Dragon Lee and Kenny King representing LFI and, uh, and they very firmly started off as heels. They were messing with the rules, like every time there was something going on, uh, if the ref uh, gave them any sort of direction, they made a big old to-do about it, like over-exaggerated grabbing of the tag ropes to make a tag so that the referee knew they were legal. Um, Kenny King at one point slaps the taste out of uh Jonathan Gresham mm. and holds the open palm up to show that he did not punch anybody. And the referee is like, OK, I guess, you know, so like they were totally. Totally messing with the rules the whole time. Uh, I do, in case any of my my uh referee co-workers are listening or any of my instructors, I do want to give a special shout out. They did use the tag ropes in there, which is a thing that I, uh, when I'm watching tag team matches now, I always bristle over. I uh, can rely on like three teams to use them consistently. So anytime there's a pure match, I always am happy to see that the tag ropes are being used. Um, the, the, this, this went the way that you're kind of expecting the foundation would t- take control using pure tag team stuff. They would go head to head. I mean, obviously dragon Lee and Kenny King are both very good technical wrestlers, but they were so intent on cheating that, uh, they often would get caught by a move while they were trying to set up their next cheating spot. Uh, and so they would get back and forth for a little while. Uh, the LFI used all of their rope breaks. They even used one of their punches. I think I'm pretty sure that Gresham took every single punch and slap. I think they were really focusing on him because he was the one that was getting the most upset by the rules being mm-hmm. broken. Uh, and eventually it does end with, uh, with, uh, Jay Lethal. Diving to the outside, missing his opponent, but instead hitting the manager, Amy. uh, Amy Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I had the last name right because I keep, I keep saying, um, Amy Lee, who is a totally different person and that's not, yeah, Amy Rose.
4: Yeah, you're, you're, you're combining Amy Rose and Dragon Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, totally understandable, uh, yeah, Amy, Amy <laughs> Rose, says, you know, yeah, the their manager and accompanied them out to the ring as always, and so, uh, very unfortunate timing.
6: <laughs> it was very unfortunate timing, so Jay Lethal was very distracted uh, while that was going on, the referee was distracted, and Dragon Lee took that opportunity to do a very stiff-looking cross right across Gresham's face, which seemed to knock him out cold, got the one, two, three, they got the win, uh, the referee missed the closed fish, which would have been an automatic disqualification, because that was the second one of the match, even though I'm of the camp that any blatant use of the fish should have been, should be a dis- DQ, not just, uh, the, the second one. But, uh, and, and, uh, this, this kind of is setting up what I've been talking about. It's going more and more into this war between your LFI who Who's very much their personas, don't tell us what to do, don't mm-hmm. give us, the, the rules are not there for us, they're there for other people, we're gonna do what we want, how we want, when we want. And, and uh, even Dragon Lee seems to have really embraced this, this mindset at this point, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, uh, Gresham in a post-match interview was just absolutely livid, and he declared that this was war. So I don't know what he, he thinks that means, And uh, but it sounds like the what's happening is we're going to get at least various members of the foundation, if not more of the pure roster in general going after various people in LFI, and I'm so on board for all so of this. So on
4: board. I love that. <laughs> and it's a good utilization of the pure rules in a way that, you know, when LFI came into it, it was like they were at the disadvantage. Um, like yeah. how, how did you, how, how were they going to follow those rules? And ultimately you knew they weren't. That was also going to be a, a, a utilization or played around in the storyline. Um, and i think it was a, it was actually a good way of doing it cuz then it just continues to emphasize you know the value of the pure rules and why the foundation are just so adamant towards it so um whether that means we see more pure rules uh matches for the tag championships or something else or you know however um yeah it, it's it's definitely some pretty good storytelling really focusing on wrestling yeah like, that's yeah. Ring of Honor has always been good at that, and now they're coming back to it. They're, they're finally coming back full circle. And it is because of the, the utilization of good lucha libre. I mean, if we're really trying to go back full circle to earlier, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, WWE, take a no. <laughs> Listen yeah. a little bit.
6: Right, look at what some of these, I'm going to use air quotes around this word, smaller companies are mm-hmm doing with their luchadors thing yeah. oh, mlw is doing great things with yes. their luchadors uh, impact is doing fantastic things with the two luchadors they have on their roster there's still the highlights of every show roh has a really deep robust uh, luchador based roster and they're doing fantastic programming it is often my pick for the best single hour of wrestling every week mm-hmm. like i'm gonna let you in a secret WWE never wins the best single hour. All uh, any yeah. one hour of of Raw is just terrible.
5: Always
6: <laughs> yeah, Um But yeah, so you uh, you you started here. You had so you had LFI winning the the tag team championships then, and basically firing. I won't say the first shot in the war, but the biggest shot so far in the a uh, war that's about to erupt between the foundation and LFI. And then we went to, uh, Rush uh, in a heavyweight title match against Shane Taylor. And, uh, they set this up again too with Kenny King kind of being, having mixed feelings because he used to run with Shane Taylor and he's talking to them backstage about maybe not using the chair and Amy Rose makes a big point about, uh, no, you're, we're going to use the chair if we need to use the chair. And they all kind of left angry and we're talking to, you know, making him think about this. And so you had Kenny King on commentary. You didn't have anybody else coming out with Roosh, but Kenny King was there on commentary. So they were very clearly going to play up a little bit of that tension. You had Shane Taylor. So you have two giant men and I, I, I didn't time it. I should have gone back and timed it, but I think it was a good five to seven minutes before they even got in the ring. They just they just threw each other around outside. The, well, okay, they started in the ring for like a half a minute, but then <laughs> went right outside. They were brawling with each other, throwing each other into the rail, into the guardrails. They made a point of mentioning that those were weighted guardrails that they were using with 50 pounds of sand. Yet you would see these two men collide with those things while running at full speed, and they would move. So uh um, you know just rushed rushed rush, rush things he had the cables he was whipping Shane Taylor uh they were slamming each other into into everything that wasn't nailed down and most of the things that were uh it was um uh, it was a very physical brawl that they were clearly exhausted by the time they got into the ring and then they did more of their great stuff in the ring because both of those guys to the point of earlier, they're both guys that are really big but they're really fast. They can they can move. Uh I mean the the height that Rouche R- R- gets on a on a drop kick is phenomenal. Like only Marco Colleone really rivals it in my opinion. But uh uh you know, and then Shane Taylor is I mean he's a big guy, but he moves fast and he can he can technically wrestle you like it just it's it's a fantastic matchup either way. Uh they went back and forth quite a ways. They got to the point where they were both basically lying in the ring exhausted and I don't remember what happened with the ref why he was not on point with this, but Bestia came out with a chair and uh, Kenny King left the commentary booth to take the the chair away from Bestia and and I think I think the ref was maybe trying to get Bestia escorted out of the ring, but then Kenny King just takes the chair and hits Shane Taylor with it. Mm-hmm. So uh Shane Taylor is basically because he's already they've already done the story of they've done like thirty to forty minutes of work, they're exhausted, and he's just been hit over, over the head with a chair. So it was a pretty easy to hit the bull's horns and get the one, two, three, and that was the retention. But I mean the bigger story there is that Kenny King is left the other history behind he 's fully invested with l f i um, the part that I found interesting, which was building up to more of this of this story that i've been we've been talking about, is the commentators kept saying that Kenny King broke the code. They kept saying it was he broke the code, which if you go back to it that 's what the pure wrestling is all about too like the 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 Code of Honor, the Handshake, and all of that. So um, in an indirect way, they're f- still fueling this story that LFI is going to do what they want, when they want, and it's and uh, that just is going to add fire to this whole war that's about to erupt. And again, I'm super excited for it. But also that means that uh, LFI now have almost all the gold only the six man belts they don't have shane taylor's faction got those two weeks ago Mm. off of mexa squad they've got everything else so they are the most decorated group in in roh right now which means that uh if um, the foundation wants to come after them they're probably going to have to play by lfi's rules this time around uh i mean there's so many good things that can come out of this it's uh and kenny king and dragon lee are technically both still contenders for the pure title mm. in the singles division so they could yeah. go after that singles belt too so i, I did miss that in the first one i said they had all the gold i forgot they did the the pure belt is yes. still on gresham yeah <laughs>
4: But still, I mean, again, you're, you're right. There's so many different options and opportunities that can come from this. Um, so again, I think it's, it's such, it's really ROH getting back to its roots in good, good storytelling with, with good wrestling. Quality. Who's doing, uh, yeah. Quality wrestling. Who's doing that? The Luchadors are doing it. And of course the pure wrestlers too, and I and I love that. I love yeah. it. It's such a clash of styles, mm-hmm. and that's really what the story is about too. And I, and I uh, I love it. Well,
6: so technically the luchadors aren't doing the good wrestling. Uh, that's they,
4: true. I mean they're they're doing good wrestling. They're just not doing the better wrestling. They're not doing like, the,
6: yeah. <laughs> They're you know. they're your, uh, your Texas luchadors to use yes. your your analogy that. The Texas or California, they are very much the Texas-style luchadors. They're going to beat you to death with a barbed wire baseball bat and uh everything that's not nailed down ringside. But uh still, they're going to do all of that lucha stuff. You're still going to see all the, the other, but it's going to be a lot more brutal and a lot less technical as a whole. But, I, I mean, even the worst technical luchador is still a significant match. Um, and on the map for just about anybody in America these days, yes. it's back to Raquel Gonzalez. She's a power wrestler, but she's got grapple skills. Yes,
4: absolutely. Well, our final story of the day involves New Japan. So Dusty, go ahead and take it away.
5: Yeah, New Japan this week, we had the 49th anniversary show. And at the show, we had Jeff Cobb defeating Satoshi Kojima in the first round of the New Japan Cup 2021. This was a fantastically worked match. Kojima is a legend, but this match was really where Jeff Cobb has ascended to his next level. Like This guy is going to be a huge star in New Japan. I implore everybody to check this match out. It sets a higher bar than I could have expected for the entire tournament and the first match and so it's it's incredible jeff now goes on to face evil on march 11th so stay tuned to a future episode for that review maybe it may not be next week it may be 2 weeks from now that we have the review but stay tuned we will definitely cover that oh yeah
4: And that's it for another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to go to LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can also follow Lucha Central on social media, at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram, and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. Check out the YouTube page. Again, that's where our interview with Senshi will be on Lucha Central's YouTube page. And, of course, some great interviews from Denise Salcedo and other members of the Lucha Central com team And well, while you're out, it go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media?
5: Yeah, I'm on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I'm on Instagram at Dusty Murphy.
4: And Brendan, where can our listeners find you?
6: I am 321T shirt guy. That's the numbers 321T shirt guy is all spelled out. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, and I'm especially on Twitter. Yes.
4: And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out. Don't forget, if you are listening to this on your favorite podcast streaming platform like Spotify, iTunes, PodBay, Uh, I Heart Radio Make sure you Subscribe Rate and review So go ahead and subscribe And that way you get A notification Every time a new episode Of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast Drops You can rate And review us So go ahead and leave us A five star rating And leave a message And review us Let us know what Mm -hmm. you think Give us some feedback On some of our topics Things that you think We should talk about Whatever it is Make sure you leave us That review We love to hear Your feedback We love to hear uh, From our listeners We see So greatly appreciate it. And we do it all for you guys. So let us know how we're doing. For Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much, and we will be back next week.